are listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life, and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence, and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Nigel Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za. So let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for your, your love, for your presence here. You're so good. You're so wonderful. We ask that you would come and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and the power to grasp how great your love is. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, this morning, I'm going to be speaking on your culture of love. Nigel spoke last week just about what he was believing the word for this year was. And, we, and he was speaking about the importance of the culture in your life. Um, and just generally about the culture. He said, you can't go and take this amazing, beautiful plant and plant it in soil that hasn't got a good culture. It'll die. You can't plant seeds. Like, you know, the parable of the sower, right? The parable of the sower shows that you know, you can have the most amazing words from God <laughs> and you put them into soil that is not um, good soil, as the parable so shows, and you will not have a harvest. But if your soil is good, if the culture is good, the seed, any seed that's sown goes in. And we spoke about, you know, sometimes we just think about these big words. I'm going to be, um, you know, I'm going to be promotion for this year, breakthrough for this year, all these sort of things. But then there's small things that God tells us to do, like in Thessalonians, um, be joyful, pray, um, and see Be joyful, be joyful pray, and pray, I've got good help. (laughs) Um, And it says, for this is God's will for you. And, you know, we want God's will for our lives for the year. That's why we seek the Lord. But that's God's will for us. And actually, if we get those little things right in our lives, it's the culture in which those other words of the Lord thrive and are fruitful in our lives. Amen. Amen. And so... You know, um, what we were really feeling this year was for for God wanting us to focus on the culture in our lives. That's God's word for us, specifically the culture of love. And um, what I, so I'm just going to, I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot because I think love is such an overused word, (laughs) you know, not, not, and, and it should be, praise the Lord. But we use it so much. We sometimes lose, um, lose the sort of meaning. Well, what, what is love? I mean, for, I mean, I've been thinking like, well, what is, what is a culture of love in my life? What does that actually look like, you know? And so we want to use over the next couple of weeks uh, as we speak to you, like, what, what is this about remaining in love, um, remaining in love, in, in all the various different, you know, Jesus said, um, God, um, God loves me and I love you just like God loved me, God loves you. And, and then he goes on to say, 
now remain in my love. What does that look like? What does it look like to remain in God's love? Have you, you know, because we, we, we all agree, yes, we want the culture of love, but what does it actually mean in our day-to-day life to remain in God's love? What does that look like to you? You know what I'm saying? So obviously, I mean, one of this, uh, the Bible is full of scriptures about God's love, love, etc. But um, the one um, scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, where it goes on to say, this is what love looks like in action. And, um, and so I just want to start there today. And 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So these are, love remains. That means it's eternal. It lasts always. That means, like, you know, there's other things that you can pursue. You can remain in in your life. You can, the culture that you want in your life. But do they remain? Are they eternal? Are they going to last forever? But the Bible says these three things remain, one of which is love. It remains always. So, you you know, it's like this is a good investment in your life because it remains always. The second is that it says here is the greatest is love. And we can see, like the, the commandments, it says, summed up in love. God is love. Basically, the Bible said in several different ways, the greatest thing that there is is love. That's the greatest, greatest thing. Love. There's nothing greater than love. Nothing. Nothing is greater than love. Nothing. Yes, my love. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is greater than love. Nothing. But the, the thing that that I often try and think about when I think about that, you know, we all acknowledge that and can in some way or the other acknowledge that in our life. Whether you're a Christian or not, you will acknowledge the greatness of love, right? But the question is like, but do we live like it's the greatest? Because, you know, what I find is, um, you know, if, let's, let's say this, if love remains and is eternal, it's it's always, it's the thing that if you invest in it, it's always going to remain. It's the greatest thing. If, if we make this the basis of our lives, it's the best thing that you can do. Do we all acknowledge that? Yeah. Right? So this needs to be, love needs to be the, the foundation, the basis of the culture that we have in our life. We need a culture of love as the basis of everything that we do. How we live needs to have the culture of love. But the interesting thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, culture is usually, shall I say, imbibed. Because if you look at a child um, living in a home, you don't sit down and teach them Look, this is how you, you know, give them lectures on how to deal with culture, how to relate, how to, um, you know, how basically most children learn a culture by just being in it. 
You know, they grow up, like, let's say, like, this person deals with conflict like that because that's how their parents deal with conflict. This person avoids conflict because that's how they did it in their home. You know what I'm saying? You just invite, and unless you figure out in your mind at some point, like, you know what, that's not healthy and that's not right, and you actively change it, you will just go with the flow. The interesting thing is that we live in a culture all the time. And I find, okay, that even the worldly culture around us, we can just imbibe that culture and just start living according to it because, like, it's all around us. And so unless we stop and analyze it and and just think about it a bit in our our minds and allow God to put his light on it, we just will go with it, okay? Um, Because sometimes we don't realize how immersed we are in worldly values and culture in our lives. Um, I I just think of like um, like your business, work culture. I was speaking to someone the last couple of weeks and they were telling me about um, what's happening at their workplace. And they mentioned that this one guy said, you know, he he said to him, I'm watching the, the, the big head boss I said, like, I'm watching him. I want to learn as much as I can from him because he knows how to play people. Basically, he knows how to play people to get the best result for the company, for him, etc., etc. Basically, manipulate, right? And you know, I was thinking, like, you know, that's a lot of the world is like that. They play games, manipulating games. They, they're all there for themselves to get ahead. They have got other things that even, although they might, and even for us too, although we might acknowledge that love is the greatest, we are actually not pursuing love and the culture of love, but we are actually pursuing other things, position, status, whatever it might be. How many of you say, like in your work culture, there's that, like, it's like, well, I have to perform and I have to, so, you know what, if um, I, I need, the culture of this work is unique in this work environment is you need to do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to get ahead. And that's what everyone works towards. We're going to do it all like this. And so if anyone gets in my way, you know, we're going to manipulate As Christians, we don't, we don't see it that way, you know. And I, I've seen Christians do this as well. Um, they, um, they sugarcoat what they do, but it's actually in the end just the same as the worldly. I don't know if you've ever been with Christians. They just somehow uh, um, can also do exactly the same thing, but they use all these lovely Christian terms and it's like um, motivations that, you know, you're saying all of that and it makes sense in my mind, but in your heart, actually, you're doing exactly the same thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Well, I have. And, but the thing is, is because um, there's, the, the goal is the same. They, they're not going after the greatest. It's just like, you know what? Um, I, I first and foremost love, and loving the people around me is the most important thing. So... And, and that means that if I love someone, I will give them that, I, I will give them this acknowledgement. I will say how great they were. I will say, I didn't do that right. You did that right. And I will promote other people. Because that's the loving thing to do, right? That's what we should be doing. You know, but that doesn't happen in a lot of workplaces unless it's to your advantage, right? 
Okay? I, you know, I, I read um, a book by Charles Finney, who was a great evangelist um, many years ago, amazing ministry. And I, I thought it was very interesting, but he had this section in this book where he spoke about people dealing in business. And he said, this is the kingdom way in dealing with business. He said, there's the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, every deal that you do in business, if you don't do it that way, that you're saying like, am I going to come out of this deal as well as my neighbor? Like, am I loving the person who I'm doing the deal with as much as I love myself? That is the way the kingdom works, right? Um, but most people, I mean, in the world, um, they will make a deal like, what can I get the best thing? And if he gets absolutely the raw end of the stick or whatever happens to me, I don't really care because it's all about me getting the advantage. When you put a price on something, is it so that you can get the best, but is it for the other person as well? It's not like you don't look after yourself, because it's to love your neighbor as yourself, but are you? So the question is, what I'm saying is, uh, what I'm trying to point out is, I suppose, is, is love, the culture of love, permeating through all your life, in everything that you do, in your work situation? Because I don't think that it does. If I look at my life, I think like, hmm. You know, there's there's place for us to pursue it in greater measure. And to, but I think to pursue it, we have to have faith that it actually is the greatest and that there's a reward that it comes with. Because otherwise you won't pursue it. Because otherwise you think, oh, well, that means that I won't get ahead, etc., etc. So, our operating system should be the operating system of heaven, where we, where we live from love, where fear is not our motivator. Because that's why people don't live in love, because they're afraid. They're afraid that they're going to loss, hurt, pain, etc. That other people are going to get ahead, they're going to be left. It's all based on fear. So you can... You can um, what's your motivating factor? Because that will often tell you what's the culture in your life. Is it, are you motivated by fear and fear of missing out? You know, I mean, to that sort of fear of pain, fear of, of, of lack, fear of not being significant in the world's eyes. What is it? Or is it on love? I base everything that I do for other people on what I do in my life, in my business, etc., on love. Is it my um, operating system? Not the fear of failure, the fear of danger, etc. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. It's the verse just before 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12 is all about, like what Nigel is speaking about, miracles, signs and wonders, all the, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it speaks about all oh, do these all wonderful things and then... Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, and eagerly desire the greater gifts, the miracles, and we all should do that. And then it goes on in the, in the next sentence, it says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Another translation says, a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. Another translation says, a way of life that is best of all. Another translation says, 
one that is better by far and the highest of them all. And then it goes into love. The best way to live your life. The best way. And I'm telling you, if you look at the world, it's not the way the world lives. Yeah. It's not the way the world lives yeah. at all. Because the world is all in fear. And it's all about them and what they have to do. Love means, when you operate from love, means that you, and we will, we will talk about it in the weeks to come, it starts with you being filled with love so that you are so secure. You are so secure in God's love for you that you, are, you don't have to fear the future. That he will provide for you in every single way, no matter what. You're so full of God's love that you can love. So we love because he first loved us. So we have to start by filling our lives with his love. And the confidence in his love. So that we can love others. And not fear. Because otherwise we will fear. The Bible says, um, love casts out all fear. We have to allow his love into our lives. That we have no fear. So that we can actually live a way that is so contrary to the way the world lives. Love is what remains eternally. Love is the greatest. And if we don't follow that life, what we'll end up with is feeling lost and empty. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3 says, If I speak in the angels of men and um, uh, in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gog and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. If I can give all uh, I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have nothing, I gain, uh, have not love, I gain nothing. Having all the right answers, great accomplishments, awesome feats, giving up everything, any bit of charity, they all leave us unfulfilled with nothing as an empty clang, absent of love. So, you know, we have to see very clearly that the way the world lives, going for all these great feasts, because that's what motivates me. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, if I do this amazing thing, then, then I, you know, I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel significant. I'm going to, you know, all these sort of things. I'm going to feel full. I'm going to feel the real me if I do all these amazing things, if I do well at work, if I've got all the money, if I've got all the status, and as what the worldly values within that. It's like, if I do amazing miracles, if I, um, you know, am working so hard for God, if I give up my whole body, if I'm martyred, etc., etc., all these things, then I will feel full. Then I will feel the real me. But this, the Bible says, you will be empty. You will be empty. Because all those things, they're not the greatest. So we have to actually see oh, all these things that the world is running after to give them to make them full, to make them feel fulfilled. They're empty and they're going to land up empty. But the Bible says that if you can have all those things, it doesn't say any of those things are wrong. You can do the great peace, peace. You can, I mean, 
um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the amazing miracles, etc. You can do all those things, but if the culture, if the motivation behind all those things isn't love, at the end of the day, you also are going to end up feeling empty and unfulfilled. You'll end up your life and say, like, what was it all for? So we need to be walking through our lives. If we're going to have a culture in our lives of love, we say like we need to be pursuing love. We need to be to, to say like in every aspect of our lives. If we're going to pursue a culture in every aspect of our lives, the way we um, are at home, our meals that we make, the way we we um, you know. Um, uh, entertain people the way we, you know, um, do our our chores around the house. Um, whatever we do needs to be within love. We need to pursue love. The way we treat people, the way we work, um, and this comes down to the fact that there's worldly riches and there's true riches. And the question is, where are you spending your effort on true riches? or just temporary riches that don't remain ever. So, um, after Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the, the first verse of 1 Corinthians 14 um, says this, eagerly, so it doesn't stop. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. This is, this is a command from the Bible. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Another translation says, follow the way of love, culture of love. Another um, translation says, let love be your highest goal. The question is, and this is something we all need to ask ourselves, um, and to just realign our lives with it. Is love your greatest goal? And you know what? You might just mentally assent to that. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but in the actual outworking of your day-to-day, are you, is, is love, have, have, have we got a revelation of love, the greatness of it, the true riches, richness, riches of it, have we got enough of a revelation of how great love is that we pursue it and make it our greatest goal? Wow. I think sometimes that's the main problem. We just haven't got the, the, the revelation how great it is. Because, I mean, do we believe the Bible? We do. If you're a Christian, you believe the Bible, and that's what the Bible says. And so, you know, there's often a disconnect between what we know in our heads and what we believe in our hearts, what we see in our hearts, right? And I think love is one of them. I don't think any of us in this room can say that we fully see and understand love. Because the Bible, Paul actually prays for the people that you may know his love, how great and wide and deep it is. That God would give you the power, supernatural power, to know how great His love is. This is in Ephesians. That you know how great it is. This love that surpasses knowledge. It's not, you can't even know how great it is. Without 
And you need the supernatural power. So maybe where we need to start, if you feel like, wow, I, 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 I acknowledge that I need to pursue love and a culture of love, make it my one goal, then we need to start by saying, God, give me a revelation. Show me. Give me supernatural power to know this great love. Amen. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Amplified says, Walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another. I thought the Amplified, what a beautiful way, just when it says walk in love, its little explanation afterwards is esteeming and delighting in one another. There's, there's, and we'll talk about what love looks like, etc. But there's a little, you know, esteeming and delighting in one another. That's where, when you're walking in love, am I delighting in other people and who they are and esteeming them? But this is, I wanted to read this verse from the message. It says, watch, because it says, be imitators. Remember in the NIV, here it says, watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So if we're going to live a life of love, just we need to hang around Jesus. Look how he loved people. Look how he lived his life. Glean from that and start saying, Lord, teach me how to love like you love. 1 John 4, 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love the Father has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. I'm going to read that again. And so we know and rely on the love of God. The love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. It goes on to say, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who... Um, Fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. The um, um, Passion Translation actually says, um, we have come into an intimate experience of God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. Trust in the love he has for us. Again, it comes back down to knowing that love so that, you know, um, uh, Paul speaks about being rooted and in fact, let's read Ephesians 3, verse 17. It says, May Christ, through your faith, dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Because unless you're that, you can't live from it. You'll be afraid, right? Um, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints the experience of that love, 
that what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it that you may really come to know through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God and you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. It's so interesting because this says like, if you, if you have a revelation of God, he, Paul's praying, said, I pray that you would know this love. And says, and then, so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. And I think knowing this love is because when you know love, you know God, because God is love. But then it goes on, so that you will be filled with the fullness of this is so contrasted to 1 Corinthians 13 where he says you can have all these things and then you're going to be empty. You see, love fills you, makes you full, makes you feel fulfilled. So, love needs to be the basis of our culture because it's the greatest, it remains, but also because um, it's God is love and everything flows and starts from there. Everything flows. You know, I was reading, I'm not going to do it now because I, um, I, I had it in my notes, but I'm not going to do it now. I was reading scriptures that speak about how love is, you know, faith is energized by love. You know, all the other things flow from love. That's why it needs to be the foundation and where we, our source, where we live our lives from. But it all starts with first, like I said, knowing God's love receiving God's love, being full of his God's, God's love, because we can't love, we can't live a life of love until we know the love of God within us. So I want to end on this scripture, um, Romans 5, verse 5, says, hmm, it speaks about God having poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that word, poured into our, our hearts, it's a, it, he already poured it in. And our hearts are full already of God's love. We just have to, in a sense, I look at it and just we surrender to it. Allow our, our eyes to be open to it, to have the power to not to not only know that it's there but to experience his love i want to add something that scripture that debbie mentioned says i pray that you might know god's love so that you may be filled to the fullness of all the fullness of god which is a lot of fullness but i mean like my mind just kind of explodes with you know that you may be filled with all the fullness of the fullness of God. It's, it's wild. But that word know, that you may know, is actually the word kinosko, which means to know by experience. You see, actually, you cannot apprehend the love of God intellectually. So you can study God's love for the rest of your life and never get it. That's what's frightening about it. The only way you can know the love of God is by experiencing it. It's like, um, it's like Pavlova. 
my favorite dessert. All right. I can give you photographs of Pavlova. I can describe it to you. I can tell you about my encounter at Christmas with a truly awesome Pavlova. I can tell you the history of Pavlova and why it is called Pavlova. And you will be educated, but you will not understand my passion for Pavlova. Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at noordinarylife.co.za or visit our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time.